Welcome to the Warrior Monk Podcast. This episode was pretty good. I had a great guest, Smitty. Let him go into his credentials a little bit in this episode, but some of the talking points we'll talk about is his uh, his career in the Air Force and what he's done as far as martial arts, boxing, competing, some really good stuff there. We talked about some really good things on um, just life in general as far as learning from failure, uh, some aspects about training with intensity. We talk about the switch versus knob kind of ideology or kind of idea that he has about how to go about training that way. Of course, your own personal motivations and drivers. Uh, talk about mentoring and working with uh, with people that are younger and training in general, as well as uh, really good topics on keeping yourself good with training, uh, your rest cycles, uh, reading, really good suggestions for books, and uh, talk a little bit about his uh, where he's training currently and where you can, you can go and uh, get with him if you want to get some training if you're somewhere in North Dakota. All right. I hope you guys enjoy. All right, cool. So uh, this is going to be the one of the first, if not the first, uh, episode of the Warrior Monk podcast. So uh, getting started right off the bat, I just want to introduce my my guest. I've got uh, Richard Smith. Do you like to go by Richard by first name? Or? No, I go by Smitty. By, go by Smitty. We're just going to call you Smitty. Then, yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. I know. It's, I know it's very here. common and everything. So typically. With, with Smitty, when I get to a unit and there's already a Smitty there, I, I either say, hey, I'm younger than you, I get to be Smitty, or I'm older than you, I get to be Smitty, or I can beat you up. <laughs> so one of those things, you know, we kind of have to fight to the death for the nickname. Okay. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, so uh, your credentials, uh, background as far as who you are, uh, yeah. you've boxed for the Air Force, mm-hmm. uh, you've competed in mixed martial arts, uh, you've done uh, Air Force career, um, a lot of stuff on your belt. Um, so I, I don't want to talk too much to you and not give you full full credit for yeah. for your resume and what you've done in the past. So yeah. if, if you could just uh, talk to a little bit to to that what you've done and uh, and where you're at currently on that side of the house. Yeah, no problem, man. I've uh, been in Air Force about 19 years and some change. I am uh, senior master sergeant, currently stationed up in Minot Air Force Base. I've been up there doing the Global Strike mission for about a year now, about 13 months. Um, prior to that, I was uh, an AFSOC for the past uh, six years doing the Combat Aviation Advisor mission. It's, uh, it's a mission that's been around since about 94. And, and basically what we do is uh, responsible for foreign internal defense, unconventional warfare, and uh, security cooperation within, a, within AFSOC and SOCOM's umbrella. Uh, really unique career field. I'm biased, probably the best career field in the, in the Air Force. Okay. Um, but yeah, I loved it, and it definitely um, was a shaping mechanism for my life mm-hmm. and, and, and everything. Uh, outside of that, from the fighting side of the house, I started fighting in 2006 in, about, uh, in Colorado. And I started straight with striking with Muay Thai and kickboxing, and I did well there. And I started dabbling in mixed martial arts uh, on an amateur level. Continue to do well. Uh, PCS down in San Antonio to be a tech school instructor. And while I was there, I stumbled upon Brazilian Top Team Texas, which was a team. Uh, you know, that's a team with a with, a, with a, a great lineage and a great history and everything else like that. Just happened to get lucky all the time. So career wise and fighting wise, I've always just been fortunate, lucky, right guy, right time. Yeah, for sure. Type of situation. Yeah, um, that too. Tried out for the Air Force boxing team. It was in mm-hmm. San Antonio that year. Zero boxing background at the time, and I wanted to go try out, and, and I happened to make the team, and um, 
that taught me, like, with with no crap, high level training is all about. Because if you win, you know, if you do all in four sports, wrestling and boxing specifically, if you win gold uh, at the tournament at the uh, all on forces championships, you automatically qualify for the uh, pre Olympic trials. So the camp has to have, you know, it's, it's a cooker because it has to get you prepared for that. Because mm-hmm. right afterwards. You have a couple more months of, of, of training to do, and then you're going in for the Olympic trials, and guys have been training and doing that sport probably since they were eight, nine years old. Yeah. Uh, so we were doing four days. Coming out of that camp uh, and, and that experience, I, I went pro, uh, mixed martial arts, and uh, I have three fights. I went uh, two and one as a pro. So my first fight I won. Second fight was in Brazil. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize that. In yeah, first, second fight was in Brazil. And uh, it was it was the way Mecca. The yeah Mecca. yeah yeah it was man. So my coach is from Brazil, and that was the connection. And he was like, "Hey man, you know, jungle fights down in Brazil, you get an opportunity. You're gonna be fighting a guy with a lot more fights than you. This is a fight that would not have gotten sanctioned in the air. I mean, I'm sorry, in the United States, right? Because typically they try to give guys with commensurate experience mm-hmm. to fight mm-hmm. each other. Mm-hmm. I fought a guy, so I was I had I was one and zero at the time, and I fought a guy who had about twenty. Four twenty-five professional fights. <laughs> Not only did I fight that guy, but I went to his hometown to fight him uh, in, in a stadium, and it was it was a crazy, crazy, unique experience. It was my oh, first sure. time being outside the country and not like wearing a flag, not being deployed, not mm-hmm. representing the military, mm-hmm. and so it really opened my eyes from a cultural standpoint as well. And then, uh, so anyway, fast forward, we get into the fight. The guy was a black belt jujitsu at the time. I was a blue belt, and. Um, we, you know, so I knew my, my only chance was to try to defeat him striking, and I came out just throwing what, what we call thunder cookies. So I was throwing, <laughs> just throwing hard, you know, every, you know, I wasn't like trying to. What's a thunder cookie yeah. taste like? <laughs> oh, I man. I, I, fortunately, I haven't really gotten to taste too many thunder okay. cookies, man. I, I, I okay. usually deliver those. But uh, so I, I try to knock the guy out. He takes me down, and, and he just dominates me on the ground. And, and uh, that was good for me, that, that failure. Mm-hmm. The one, it, it showed me I my my commitment to jujitsu or ground fighting like the, the weak area in my game at the time was was half-hearted you know yeah, i was just doing yeah. just enough and, uh, and and i got to see like what a world-class ground fighter felt like and completely get dominated and sure, decimated yeah. and uh and so i just locked in on jujitsu from that yeah. mo- moment forward i didn't i didn't take another fight for about nine ten months and only did jujitsu every single day okay uh, and really had a big growth you know from from that failure uh response from that failure yeah. Took another fight, won, and right around that time, I uh, I had applied for the the, the Six Special Operations Squadron, which is right. the Combat Aviation Advisor mission. You have to go through selection and assessment. And one of the caveats to that was by coming to AFSOC and being a, and assigned to an operational unit, I could not I could no longer fight professionally. Sure, sure. Yeah. And as I was going through selection and assessment, the cadre kept messing with me, like, "Hey, man, hey, fighter, you ready? You ready to quit? You know, are you done with it?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm, I want to. You know, this has been a dream of mine. I tried to get into this unit for about six years. Really, so, I didn't know you were that, yeah. that hard trying to get. Yeah, 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 man. I, I had a, a friend who had been there previously. He's like, "Dude, it's the it's the mission for you. This is where you need to go." So, yeah. uh, so I, I gave up fighting professionally to to come down here, and then now, you know. I could go back to it, but I'm 38, and you know, Smitty, that that version of Smitty wanted certain things, and really, I wanted to just go validate my training. I wanted to go sure. validate, and that was the stage to do it on. Mm-hmm. And I knew it would give me credibility to, by being a fighter. So I did it. Close that chapter. But I, just, I love fighting. I love I love the training. 
I love the people that you that you run into, love the experience, uh, and so I, I still do it every single day. I still train like I'm, I'm a professional fighter, and uh, it's it, it's it's a good thing. So that's that's where I'm at now. I'm an operations superintendent out at Minot, mm -hmm. learning that mission set. I know nothing about nuclear uh, <laughs> nuclear security. Never never did nuclear security in my career, but. So there's a lot of people in our yeah. career feel better in that boat, which is mm -hmm. why certain things are getting switched up right now, I guess, part of the reason. Yeah, they're trying to change it from, you know, r really, the, the stuff is not a, it's not rocket science. And, and we should, it should be simple enough that at our level, we should be able to adjust and flex and, and learn new skill sets mm -hmm. and just add it, add it to the toolkit. So that's kind of my approach to it. Sure. Yeah, man. So I want to I want to touch on something you brought up and you, you talked about going down to Brazil and mm -hmm. getting ta taken down on the ground and yeah. losing that fight and recognizing what it was and that that failure piece yeah. kind of being a driving force oh, yeah. behind you know taking a new path and uh, me in my own life I mean I've got I've, I think I'm doing more better fit than fifty fifty I think I've got more successes than failures but believe yeah. me I've got my my fair share of failures too but. Man, they're such big learning tools. Mm -hmm. and I think that's what separates, uh, you know, talking talking on this as the Warrior Monk podcast, that's what separates the monk uh, is that the monk's able to take that piece, that failure piece, and learn from it and, and break that down and assess and analyze it and look look to grow versus just uh, kind of pushing the ego out of the way a mm -hmm. little bit, accepting yeah. it, and all right, how do, how, do we, how do we try to fix this on the, on the, the inside piece? So I, I don't know about, about you, but I, honestly, like, failing sucks it's the mm -hmm. worst feeling in the world but yeah. if you can if you can step aside from it and be like okay it sucks it's not what i want that the end result i wanted but yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna grow from it and improve yeah absolutely man it's, it's a big part of my philosophy as a as a as a man as a leader uh, as a human being uh and you come into my office i have a whiteboard and and this i've been doing this since man probably the last four or five years i write fail every day on my board mm -hmm. and it's, it stays there and that's just like the mantra. And so every time and people somebody, probably walk in, right? Yeah, so every time that. somebody walks in, you know, it's yeah. a conversation piece. But it, over time, you know, I got the same people walking in the office, and they know, like, my if you aren't failing, if you if you don't fail, then you aren't stretching yourself. Mm -hmm. And there's no no chance that you're gonna stumble upon improvement. Right. Right. It's right. real easy to get good at something and do the thing and just kind of stay in this pocket of excellence. But it's 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 a uh, it's a lie. You mm -hmm. know, you have to stretch and you have to fail and yeah. you have to hit walls and uh and i love it i like if i haven't failed in a while i go to find something where i know i'm going to fail or if i'm setting up a workout or some training session for myself i i i, I have deliberate areas where i know i have to fail and kind of hit a wall and that yeah. way i can i can stretch myself and get some growth out of it so yeah, definitely man. big 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 piece of my philosophy my living philosophy that's awesome i appreciate you sharing that man. yeah man um another piece too i don't know maybe part of your philosophy too is uh so the reason, way I got hooked up for you, for anybody listening, is um, going through your as an as an instructor for you at the the Security Forces Combatives course yeah, uh, this yeah. week. Going through it, and you were I gotta say, man, I, my hats off to you. Awesome, awesome instructor. I've been through the course itself, I think three times now, um, and this time around, uh, it's definitely been the most motivated I've been yeah. in that class to do it be, uh, because I think partly the way that you instruct, but also the the extra pieces that you're able to put into it based on off your knowledge base and uh i think too uh like we've talked about too the, the level of um uh intensity and uh and uh passion that the stu other students were bringing in the class mm -hmm. too because for sure everybody in that room was just getting after it um and that that was always really awesome to see uh, but you talked about 
the switch versus the knob. Oh yeah. Can you can you delve, delve into that a yeah, little bit? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so it's 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 funny. We have a we have a bunch of uh, dogmas in our in our in our culture, mm-hmm. whether it be for the military culture or law enforcement culture, where it's like, hey man, you got to hit the switch and you got to do this thing and hit this thing and right. uh, the switch. You know, you know it's. When when it's off, nothing is happening. When it's on, it's a hundred percent. It's at a hundred percent. There's right. no, and, and and nine times out of ten, whether it's a machine or it's your a person, if you're going a hundred percent, you're probably going to end up something catastrophic is going to happen. Yeah, typically on yeah. the negative side of things, and you're going to run that machine. Things are going to redline. It's going to damage right. the machine, or it's going to damage yourself, and you're not going to have the outcome that you're looking for. And that's even like on a, a scientific thing. I mean, I'm oh, looking yeah. at guys that have super high cortisol levels all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, from really high stress and not getting enough sleep and all that kind of stuff, and guys totally burn out yeah. uh, trying to run at one hundred percent all the time. All the time, brother. So, especially with with law enforcement, you know, we look at all the law enforcement incidents where we have excessive force used, and especially in this day and age of uh, everybody having a camera, mm-hmm. and you know, mm-hmm. people go on Facebook Live or yeah. whatever it is that they're using, and, and they're recording what's the, the incidents and. I try to train people and, and to tell people kind of just, again, as a, as a mantra and a way of living and doing things to, to be more like a knob and be able to turn, you know, take a volume knob and turn it up and turn it down right. and adjust based on what you're going to do. So I can be up, I can clip, you know, say on the knob goes from zero to 10 and I can, I can work an eight for a long time. But if I got to, if I got to do it for an extended period of time, I probably need to turn it down a little bit to about a six mm-hmm. and sustain it longer as opposed to burning right. it out too quickly. So I think that that analogy helps people understand, like, when when you have the ability to have a knob, you have an ability to uh, to adjust what what level of strength you use and what level of anything, any 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 energy expenditure you have, it's much better for you, mm-hmm. and, and it looks more professional. It, it has a more positive outcome, and that is the way to sustain and to go out throughout this life. Right. You know, so always always. Uh, have a knob as opposed to a right. switch. And I, I noticed that we, you and I only got to spar on the mat for a couple minutes. Yeah. But I noticed that with you right away, you would kind of work kind of almost not gentle, but yeah. you know, you'd work your, your position to try to like, uh, you know, get, uh, get out of my guard away. And then you would boom, you would explode and yeah. you'd like, it wasn't a switch. You were just increasing that volume yeah. knob up and then you could bring it right back down. Right. So yeah. you weren't like running a hundred percent you get in a better position and it's like, and then, you know, next thing you know, I'm, I'm tapping out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's just tied to, to time and experience. You know, I've just got more time on the mat, man, but obviously you, you're, you're an athlete. You're, you are a, your, your, your mental, your, your mind and body connection is there. It's obvious to me as a, as a, as a coach, as a guy who's been around the game for a very long time, uh, not just on the, the fighting side, but just in how you carry yourself and conduct mm-hmm. yourself as a, as a, as a military member as well. It's, it's pretty, uh, it stands out for me because I look for it. I look for it in people. Yeah, I do too. So, I do yeah, too. yeah. So that's good stuff, man. You got it. You got cool. it. So, uh, so since we're talking about the class and stuff like that a little mm-hmm. bit, um, how did you get into the whole uh, coaching and, and training side? Yeah. Um, how did you get into that? And uh, I'd like to hear you talk more about it because myself getting as an NCO now and, and doing some instructing yeah. uh, within my own section and with some of the units uh, over over here where I'm stationed at – um, I, I'm really enjoying the knowledge transfer piece, and, yeah, and, man. I, and we talked about it a little this week. But seeing things click mm-hmm. with dudes, so can you talk to that piece a little bit? Yeah, man. My, so my mother is, a, is an uh, educator. She just retired oh, okay. this uh, this year, thirty years teaching and teaching elementary, middle school my whole life. So I, you know, just, I just grew up with my mom. You know, I remember her going to college to finish school so she could be a teacher, and then being mm-hmm. a teacher right, in my whole life. And then uh, so I, I've kind of 
was raised in the school, around the school, just seeing lesson plans and all that stuff happen. And um, what I realized uh, very early on, I was I was a crappy student. I wasn't a good student. No. I don't think. No, I was because my mind was always. I mean, I didn't have a really good attention span. I didn't like the way class was, and I just like man, I didn't see the value in certain things super, and mechanisms. Super common for us military guys. Yeah, right? yeah. So it's just like it was not. It was not for me. And but putting uh, us in a in a four four walled room. And yeah. Being like oh, you know, just, just talking. You're know, gonna do this for six hours. Mm-hmm. It's like no, <laughs> it doesn't doesn't. We don't fit that mold very no, well. No, no, yeah. no, definitely. And I think it's a lot of people uh, in that same in that same situation. So uh, as I. As I joined the military and I started seeing, you know, great instructors, right? So I did have great instructors, whether it was BMT, how they commanded the room, how they taught stuff. But what I realized is I had a knack for getting the information or, or hearing the information and um, and being able to uh, translate it to mm-hmm. others. And so I would I could take the information and I could make it could be you know three or four of my buddies and we're talking about it and, I could, and they, they could all have kind of different backgrounds and different ways of learning i didn't know all this early on but i could get each one of them to know it and understand it um, by whether you know whether i was using analogies or whatever i would say i would always adjust the message for the audience and then when i um so i started i started focusing on that like it, it once i knew i could teach something then i knew i had a better grasp of it mm-hmm. so that became like my way of learning it was mm-hmm. teaching it to others, and that made me have a better grasp of it. The 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 other piece is, man, and, and the superpower, my superpower, if I was a superhero, it's not a really yeah. cool, sexy superpower, but my superpower is reading. Yeah. And it's, it's all my mother. Uh, my mother made me read. If I wanted to watch TV for 30 minutes, I had to read for 30 minutes. So minute for minute, that's how much TV I could watch. So I would, I would read first. And then I would get enthralled in this book, and I would just get absorbed by it, and I would right. end up not watching TV because I was reading all the time. So I yeah. started really young, and she was, and and you know, to other parents, I, I would say this is something she did that really worked for me was she didn't, she wasn't prescriptive on what I read. She said, I don't care what you read, you can mm-hmm. read anything you want as long as you're reading. And yeah. so I, so I initially was, a, I was a Sunday comics sure. guy, and that's yeah, all I read too. was comics, too, comics, man. and not like you know. Like the uh, Avengers or anything like that, like like Calvin and Hobbes and like yeah, the, sure. That, that's what I read, and she she allowed that to be my reading material. And then it just as I as I progressed through the, the military and in life as an adult, every edge I have is kind of because I read more than everybody else. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I come away with the material, and I, I have a uh, it seems I, I I have a higher comprehension than everybody else because I have more time and practice. You know, you get good at what you do. Right, right. Because I, I read so much, I, I can read something really fast and I can comprehend it and I can extrapolate the key points and, and move on to the next thing. So that's kind of been my, that's been very helpful to me. Um, obviously going, being a tech school instructor, and, and that's a, we have a big factory where we're pushing through, you know, 100, we're graduating 100 plus airmen a week yeah. for, you know, Security Forces' largest uh, career field in the Air Force. And, um, so constantly, you know, and I, I didn't like public speaking. I didn't like, and I would just do it because I kind of had that, I'm going to go out here and fail. I'll get through it, and eventually I'll get good at this. I'll get more comfortable with it. And I still get nervous. And, and you know, I'm kind of, uh, even now, I'm like, I'm not a speech writer guy. Like, if I, have to, if I know I have to go speak, I kind of just organize my thoughts. Right. And then just go and let it flow and just make sure I know the material well enough to let it flow and be natural and, and come off a little better. That works better for me. Um so going to BIC and the Air Force having the you know, BIC, which is the basic instructor course, it's about a five-week course. Going to that course and like learning the the mechanics of, of teaching, you know, attention step and your you know your opening and 
you know, stopping halfway through and make sure you go re review what you've already covered and, it, you know, your conclusion when you wrap up. Like the, the structure of that was a great framework for me and I just apply it to everything and I apply it when I'm, when I'm doing public speaking or anything else like that. Um, I had a really bad stutter as a kid. Really? Probably tied to me not wanting to, and I still, I still have it. And when I started learning Spanish, I, I was stuttering, I was stuttering in Spanish as well. And it was like this thing where my, my mouth couldn't keep up with, you know, Your in, brain, in my yeah, head, yeah. It's like my brain was going faster than my, my mouth could produce the words. And, um, and so I, I just, just kept on pushing myself in those uncomfortable environments. Sure, just kept on sure. going to her. And I tell, I tell, uh, my, my commanders or whoever I say, hey man, like when the time gets rough, I like love that stuff. I just lean in because I'm uh -huh. like, yeah, nobody else wants to do this. I'm going to do it because nobody else wants to do it. Sure. And that's kind of like my thing. That's that's what that's what kind of gets me out of bed in the morning. Yeah. You know, doing doing the tough stuff and and, and getting after it. Just being hungry all the time. Yeah, man. Yeah. What 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 other what are your other drivers? Like what what keeps you motivated? Because there's a lot of we discussed this a little bit this week, but there's a lot of people. Um, in our career field, in the military in general, mm -hmm. talk, especially when you start looking outside of the, the special operations yeah. uh, side, just um, gals and guys both is not taking good enough care of themselves as far as like, you know, not everyone's super close to the end of the kill chain and, and yeah, you, yeah. Know, you yeah. know, Delta Force Ranger guy shooting somebody in the face, but uh, still that, that, that physicality piece yeah. and health piece goes so hand in hand with just your ability to perform in general, regardless of what you're what your job is. So what's some of the motivating things that's just kept you on track and, and kept you on top of your, your health and fitness? Yeah. So health and fitness, I, I think, uh, being, being in the combat sports arena, it, it's, it's just clear cut, man. If you're not in shape, you're not, mm -hmm. if you're not training and doing all that stuff, you, 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 you won't have any success, you know? And, and I've had, I've, I've run into guys, you know, run to a guy who's out of shape, pot belly, and he's the most talented guy in the, in the, in the room, mm -hmm. but because he, you know, drinks a 12 pack a day, uh, doesn't train outside of that. Does does no supplemental training. Doesn't stretch afterwards. Doesn't take care of himself. The longevity side of it. Yeah. Uh, he he never reaches his potential. You know. So there's a couple of factors in my. This is all Smitty's opinion, but you know where if you, you got a guy. So you got talent. You need some hunger and drive there. Uh, great coaching and mm -hmm. and, uh, and and discipline. Those are kind of like the key ingredients to like success. And what I've seen people be successful. I've seen super talented dudes. Uh, not make it. Yeah, waste seen, it, right? Yeah, I've seen dudes, you know, teammates on the mat with me with the same world-class coach not get any better, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, it's good they have the, the discipline and the, and the drive to stick with it. So th those are the factors. Uh, I'm 38 now, and, and it feels like I um, the I have to be way smarter than, with, with how I train. You know, I remember getting up to like 215, 215 pounds, uh, just lifting as heavy as possible. My joints hurting, starting to feel inefficient. What when was I your ran. What was your body fat set? Oh, like when I was when I was when I was two fifteen, I was I was like probably around eight percent. Oh man, yeah, I was so you're a, a, you're a, oh, monster. a monster, dude. Oh, and, and, but it was it was terrible. If I had to run, you know, I was yeah. I was a monster in the gym. Yeah. I was a monster lifting mm -hmm. weights. I wasn't a monster fighting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was that it wasn't like a one for one transfer. Right, and and so I started as I got older and more mature and like mm -hmm. ego gets out of the way, you know, yeah. at one, at one point in, in my life, I was training to look good naked, you know, as opposed to having a body, like my body is just a vessel. Right. And, and I got to take care of this vessel to, to, to produce and, um, you know, not sleeping, not none of that stuff. I just wasn't taking care of my body. I, you know, 
I thought sleep was, you know, I, I, I was raised by guys, special operations guys, that yeah. would say, hey, sleep is like little slices of death, or it's yeah. like practice for death, you don't need to sleep. No, I've totally, totally gotten that yeah. from people, too. It's like, you can sleep when you're dead. Yeah, no. And, and, it's, and it's, it's, especially uh, coming from the kind of the army and, and infantryman mm-hmm. mentality, it's like, dude, sleep's not necessary. It's a luxury. <laughs> it's not a necessity, yeah, right? It's yeah. like, priorities of work, it's the very last thing on the, on the bottom of it is yeah. your sleep, right? But more and more science is coming out all the time. We were talking talk, talking about this from uh, one of Joe Rogan's recent episodes. Yeah, like, yeah. This the sleep piece is so important, and even even like if anybody out out there is listening, guys in your going for in, in your thirties now, telling you if you're worried about low T, make your diet better yeah. and sleep. Try to sleep eight hours a night, and you will improve your hormone levels. I promise you. But anyway, it's, it's changed my life, man. Sleeping. So the Joe, I, re- I heard the Joe Rogan podcast. I want to say the guy's name is Pat, uh, Matthew Walker. Mm-hmm. I apologize if I'm messing his name up. But uh, he's a neuroscientist, and he's been spending the last 20-plus years studying sleeping. And this guy was so righteous with his message. He was so thorough with his messaging. And, uh, you know, it, it, was just, it just blew my mind. And so I immediately I sent it out to all my, all my bros, and I said, hey, dude, we need to start holding, holding each other accountable. Mm-hmm. Seven to nine hours of sleep, a night period dot. And, and we kind of work backwards from the X on, on that mentality, like – that has to be a, a priority for you. Yeah. It absolutely has to be a priority for you. There are going to be times where you will not be able to get seven to nine hours of sleep. Right. That's fine. But and, we tra- and we train to yeah. that, right? Like yeah. we learn how to continue to function when we're low on sleep. But when you're at home in garrison, like if you if you can get it, then yeah. take it. You know, turn turn the phone off. Yep. Get away from the TV. Get away from the Wi-Fi, the the social media, and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And turn the brain off. Do read a book. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, and put your ass to sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll it, it, uh, it'll take care of you. Recovery, you know, the brain function of science is there. You can't you can't argue the science. So mm-hmm. it's a closed deal for me. It's awesome, man. Yeah, definitely on this. We're on the same page on on that piece. Um, so we were we were talking too about about teaching and stuff like that. And we there's yeah. this this one troop uh, in the class. Um, that he, I was partnering up with him pretty much for the, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. We'll, go, we'll call him by his nickname, Groot. Groot, yeah, yeah. man. He's a beast. He's going to be an animal, dude. Yeah, he he's is, He's going man. to be a freaking animal. He he's is. He's going to be a force. Yeah, he's, what, 20, 21. Yeah. Uh, he's just, he's like, a, he's still kind of got like the, the baby deer. You know, he's like, <laughs> yeah. still kind of like learning how to work all his limbs and yeah. stuff like that. But, man, that guy's going to be a real athlete if he, uh, if he continues to work on himself. And he's... He's sharp too. He's got the mental piece too. He mm-hmm. was everything that we had going on in class. He's he's fortunate where he's stationed at. He's got other guys that are mentoring him and, and getting him on the mat and stuff like that. But um, I saw I, I looked over at you when we were doing our teach backs. Yeah. And um, he was he talked about dirty laces. Yeah. And I saw that that twinkle in your yeah, eye. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, man, I never mentioned dirty laces in the in yeah. the class. And then you went back and touched on it. But yeah. it's he's a sharp he's a sharp troop, man. I, I love seeing that kind of stuff because you're like, man, this this guy's moldable. And I wish I had more time mm-hmm. to work with uh. With work with dudes like him because you can tell he's going to go far. Yeah, as long as he sure. stays focused and works on it. Yeah, it's cool stuff to see. Um, so we're talking about the sleep piece, and we're talking about reading too. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you What are you reading right now? So right now, I'm reading uh, Matthew Walker's book. I want to check and make sure I got the right name. Matthew yeah, Walker. Sure. He's the the guy who uh, Joe Rogan did a podcast mm-hmm. with, and I read a ton of um, Harvard Business Review, a bunch of management type books, and those books are basically leadership books mm-hmm. in essence. And and they have, you know, experts from all different uh, types of fields. Yeah, his name is, so I'm reading Why We, Why we Sleep uh, by Matthew Walker. 
and I, I have a, a ton of so Harvard Business Review does articles and then they have like their uh, Harvard Business Review 10 must reads oh okay and like yeah. it's like a journal and you know and I have a, a bunch of those I'm I'm, uh, I'm addicted to books about management which you know kind of translate over to leadership and is really mm-hmm. applicable in all in, in all facets um, I'm, a, I'm an adult language learner and so I was uh, very heavy into reading books about linguistics and how people learn. Uh, love, I love the, the science of learning. Mm-hmm. Um, I study other areas. I'll study chess players. I'll study masters in their field and kind of see what they did and see what's applicable, applicable to me in my life and what I, can, what I can grab onto. And sometimes I read books that seem like they have nothing to do with anything that's in my realm, but just to kind of stretch myself and expand and, and, and kind of increases my ability to talk about a, a wide range of subjects. Right. Uh, I just finished this book called The Culture Code. Culture Code. The okay. Culture Code uh, is phenomenal. It's by Daniel Coyle, C-O-Y-L-E. Um, Playing to the Edge is Michael Hayden. Hayden, he was a former uh, CIA director, NSA mm-hmm. director. Uh, he was the first dude to do those, hold those positions as a four-star general, like you know, typically those positions are held by civilians. Right. He right. did it while he was on active duty Air Force. Um, you know, within the last, let's say, ninety days, I read the New Confessions of a Economic Hitman, which is a, a crazy book, man. Look like that one. That sounds interesting. Yeah, New Confessions of an Economic Economic Hitman. If you've ever, uh, it, it kind of talks about how he, this guy said, you know, his claim, his, his name is John Perkins. His claim is that he, um, he, he worked for the government, United States government. And they would go into countries and. You know where where di- diplomacy would fail, and you know the CIA kind of would fail, and, and trying to work through that piece. Prior to the military going in there, being you know us using that, leveraging that tool, we would use these economic hitmen to uh, kind of cook the books of certain countries. And he talks mm-hmm. about a number of, of books uh, of books that he's cooked in other countries. And it's 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 a it's really eye opening book. I mean, yeah, I'm uh, sure. It's, it's, it's a whole it's can, not, can it's of not worms. Fiction, that, yeah, it's not fiction. Yeah. So this guy is claiming it all to be true. Uh, obviously, I think uh, extreme ownership. By oh Jocko. yeah, yeah, sure. Man. He's hardcore, man. Yeah. I love. I, love I hope I get a chance to meet him. him yeah, man. Super, super inspirational. Yeah, um, but yeah, a lot of books like that, man. Um, and then I'll throw a book in, like astrophysics for people in a, oh. in a hurry. But uh, <laughs> so uh, before my last deployment, I got that one, and I. Uh, I made the mistake of putting it on when we were driving up the pre-deployment training. Yeah. So I got a I got a car full of dudes with yeah. me, and I put that on, and they're like, "Dude, what are you listening yeah. to?" Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. "Just people, sh- I get that all the time." And the great thing is too, like a lot of times, uh, the, the Audible thing is great. Mm-hmm. By the way, this, this podcast will be sponsored by Audible. <laughs> um, nice plug, there, yeah. All right, uh, Audible is uh, awesome because of you know, just like with with podcasts too, and I'm like you can if you're doing something where you you know you don't need to have 100% of your attention on it, you can kind of absorb some material through, through listening too, yeah. right? So, um, so audible for me has been huge. Uh, I was commuting a lot back and forth to see the, the old lady and stuff like that too. So what, you know, you could either have that time in the car listening to, you know, to stupid disc jockeys yeah, and yeah, the same yeah. songs on the radio, or you can uh, listen to an audible and try to, you know, expand the mind or something like that while you're going, but putting on, um, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson's astrophysics for people in a hurry with a bunch of meatheads. And yeah. now that I'm calling our guys meatheads, but like guys that are just not in that realm at all yeah, in the yeah. scope of science. And then at first they were like, what, what are we listening to this for, man? And then we got about like 15 minutes in and they're like, what? Whoa. Yeah. yeah. Whoa. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, I saw audible, man. I was, I was, 
I'm a purist when it comes to reading. I love having the books and everything else. But then I was driving. I had an had a hour commute, and it kind of changed my life. I was like, man, I cannot, like you said, just listen to this music and just mm -hmm. zone out. I need something, some type of mental stimulation. And then once I realized I could increase my, my book load, my, my input load, of information by listening to books when I when I was having to drive or do something else and cut the grass or whatever, and I can still have time to read additional books. Um, it it became it, it just becomes an efficiency for me yeah. and, I, and I utilize it. Um, and, and when the book is really good, I I listen to it on Audible. I love the book. I buy three sure. or four copies yep. and I give them to people, man. And, yeah. and that's what that's kind of like my my way of, of doing it and, and getting that getting information out to the masses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely got to read. Man. I kind of did that with uh, Tribe. Did you get a chance to read Tribe? No, I haven't read Tribe. Oh, I would highly it's recommend good. it to you. Okay. Yeah, so it's it's about, I, I, it's a buzzword right now. It gets mm -hmm. thrown around, uh, tribalism. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, uh, absolutely. It, it's kind of relating a lot of the anthropology and human history piece and how, um, how we've switched so fast mm -hmm. to going from that tribal society to what we live in now and most of us being in big cities and, it's kind of it's such a weird thing because it used to be maybe you have at most sixty to a hundred people that you'd interact with yeah. for like most of your lifetime, and now if you know if you're in a big city like New York or L.A. or Miami, you've you've had a visual eye contact on sixty people in less than sixty seconds. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. And it's um, and it I think it's maybe part talks to some of the some of the stuff too of people um, who've gone back to tribal societies. They they reference. Um, um, doing the westward expansion mm -hmm. um in the old west and people who got kind of kidnapped by native american tribes and that, that were you know uh europeaners or whatever and getting taken away from modern society living tribal and then being rescued you know yeah in, we're at, rescued in quotation marks back by by white people essentially by you know european people mm -hmm. and then um them like having either severe depression going back to that lifestyle or after getting rescued somehow escaping or just leaving it again to go back to tribal lifestyle. So it's definitely something that calls to, uh, calls to us because of yeah. the kind of millions of years of, of us living that certain way. So I think there's, there's a piece too that ties to, um, to, to how fast we're moving towards so city life and, uh, maybe too much technology. And yeah. Stuff like yeah. That too. No, so for sure, man. There's a book I want to, there's a book I want to throw out there, man. It's called why beautiful people have more daughters. Oh, okay. Okay. This is about evolutionary psychology yeah. and this book really opened my eyes to this. It's kind of a nascent, like, you know, uh, um, form of psychology that they're starting to study and they're talking about, you know, why you're attracted to people, why you make certain decisions and everything else. And it is a phenomenal book, man. Okay. Why beautiful people uh, have more daughters, man. I, okay. I would highly recommend that book. Yeah. Intriguing titles. And yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. Confessions of an economic hitman. Mm -hmm. and why beautiful people have more daughters. It's good stuff. Um, yeah, man. Awesome. So, um, I want you to talk to, to what you're doing too on the outside, as far as the, the gym that you're, mm -hmm. you're training at and, yeah. and, and what's going on with you outside of your, uh, you know, you're, you're wearing the, wearing the rank time. Yeah, I know. I, um, so right now currently up in my night, he's so I'm a Brazilian top team guy through and through. I, I'm a, currently a brown belt in jujitsu and I've been with my coach since I was a white belt to brown belt, Marcelo Salazar. And, um, so they, they wanted me to open a gym. Up in my night, right? everywhere I get stationed at, as a military guy, especially with a sport like jiu-jitsu where it takes a really long time to promote. Um, you know, most people, if you can stay at one location and you're with your coach and you promote on a on a, uh, a regular basis, for me, I, I, you know, when I came to AFSOC, I spent about, man, I didn't do jiu-jitsu. I didn't train with my coach for almost six years. Oh, wow. And, but I kept training and uh, – 
it, it was tough. And then, you know, we, we still link up. He's down in Jacksonville now. So currently, I'm up at a, a gym called Calaveras in Minot, North Dakota. So I got orders to Minot last year when I, when I got promoted. And, man, you talk about depression. And, you know, and so this yeah. is the funny thing. I'm a very, you know, optimistic, happy guy. Um, and it takes a lot to, to get yeah. me down. And I felt what I would probably describe as being depressed. When I first, very first got to Minot, North Dakota, I didn't know anyone. Um, and, and I wasn't working yet. I was on my 10 days of house hunting when you, when you PCS mm -hmm. in the military. Remember, you get 10 days to look for a home. Well, I found a house in, a, in about a day or two, and I was sitting at home with my dog. And I'm sitting in the house, and man, I started getting, it started getting dark. And really? I started getting, yeah, I started getting down because like no one, no one there knew me. Yeah. I wasn't doing anything. And I, I you know, I, just, I felt like I didn't have a purpose at that moment. I'm going right. into this new mission with, you know, that I, that I, that I didn't value. Um, I didn't see the value of using, you know, air quotes, my talents up right, there. Right. And, um, and, you know, it's like life, I had to find the challenge. And the challenge, you know, what I found is the volume of stuff, the volume of people. Mm -hmm. So it's a huge unit. It's, it's you know, it's the, it's the largest security forces unit in the Air Force. And so now it's like, oh, I got this many people who I can impact, you know, and, and that, that finding that challenge was good for me. But in my off time, as soon as I found a gym and got back into the gym mode, I mean, I got addicted all over again. Like I'm a brand wow. new guy coming to the sport. And so training Calaveras, uh, and, and it's so funny because you get to drive the culture, you know, as the, as the, one of the more experienced guys and one of the coaches, head coaches there, you know, if I, if I don't have an ego, if I work hard, everybody in the gym is going to not have an ego. They're going to check their ego at the door mm -hmm. and they're going to come in there and work hard. You yeah. know, I have this thing where I go to meetings and I'm going to do it at the gym as well, where I have a box. And I put ego on the box at the door. Okay. Like, Drop it off, man. You know, or somebody, you know, if somebody comes in and their ego starts getting in the way of, a, of progress. I'll be like, hey, obviously you didn't drop it off when you came in the door. You right, know, it's right. visual and everybody understands, you know, it's, represent, it's representative of something. But, you know, the ego is, is such a dangerous, difficult, nebulous thing, right? Because yes. you, you need ego. I, my ego is what gets me out of the bed and yeah. gets me going. But I also need to be able to check it enough to... To, to humble myself to learn sure. from any and every person I come in contact with and to uh, to apply empathy where, where appropriate mm -hmm. and, and you know everybody's going through something so you know when I was younger I would say I would be like oh this guy's just lazy or this guy's just dumb or whatever and it's like man I don't know what this guy's story is mm -hmm. I don't know what he's dealing with in his personal life and we are all dealing with something so yeah. as I've gotten a older a balance in the yeah, water and the monk right? yeah man yeah I've gotten older and, and, and softer you know in my in my, in my mind like man I I used to not care about this stuff, but now I do. And, and then, so the challenge becomes, how do, I, how do I reach this guy who doesn't even know he, he needs to be reached or has no desire to be reached? Yeah. And that becomes got, a challenge. Got blinders on, mm -hmm. right? Blind spots. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's good, man. That's, yeah, I, I totally see it too. And you get, get some guys that uh, get on the mat. And it's, it's one of the things for me that's made me a little bit hesitant towards getting, getting on, uh, on the ground with more outside of, outside of work is uh, – some guys just like it's all that matters is winning and it, not even so much the learning part of it. All that yeah. matters is winning. And it's like, it's, do I want to risk, you know, injuries and yeah. and stuff like that with some guy who like all he cares about is winning. And it's like, it's a risk reward type thing. Right. So, but if, if you can find that good group of people and, and yeah. especially, I'm especially, I'm sure it matters a lot having, having the coaches or, or the, uh, the instructors there at the gym who yeah. say, Hey, leave it at the door. 
you know, there's a, there's a, t of course, it's like, just like we talked about the knob, right? There's a time yeah. and place for it. If you're stepping in the ring to win, yeah. you know, yeah. you turn up that volume knob, turn up that intensity. But when you're in that learning environment, you just got to leave the, leave the ego at the door. Like, like you said. It's, yeah. That's what I love about martial arts, man. Combat sports is that the thing about them is there, it, it is an impossibility to improve without somebody else. Right, mm -hmm. I can't. I can't just do it by myself. I can't just go shadow box. I can't go do drills by myself and get better. I can. I can maintain whatever skill level for a little bit, but mm -hmm. at some point you're gonna start to drop off, and that skill yeah. set is gonna trick. So I have to have somebody else, and mm -hmm. so it forces you into this social interaction with a human being, and you you kind of go through this. You got this social contract, this, un this unspoken contract of, hey man, we we're doing stuff. I'm attacking your limbs. I'm gonna isolate one of your limbs, and I'm gonna. You know, take it to just before the breaking point, and I'll stop as soon as you tap. Or even if you don't tap, I'm not going to break it all the way. And there, there's a level of trust that you have to have there. Right. And um, and and when, it, when you talk about combat sports and going against another human being, it's really your ego. You want to win. You want to defeat yeah. the guy, but it's your teammate. And so that constant grind and that 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 uh, that process. Is what what makes you better, I think, mm -hmm. and that's what that's 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 the goodness, the the skill set and the belts and all that stuff. That's that that's just part of the process, the journey. Like the the, the journey itself is the actual thing that you're getting. That's mm -hmm. the, the residual effect is that you are getting better and you're honing skills. You know, um, that that's what I love about it, man. Yeah, for sure, sure man, for sure. I'm I'm definitely going to be working to to try to get into it more. If if maybe not necessarily right now because of where I'm at with work and stuff like that, but definitely definitely in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, for sure you should. If I get re relocated or, or out or moved into the, the guard or reserve side, I'm definitely going to be looking for a, a gym out there. So if you're out there listening, I may be, I may be walking in your gym in the near future. Wherever yeah, you know. man. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I know we talked about the fitness piece and stuff a little bit, but something else I wanted to pick your brain a little bit too about since you, you got a couple years on me is, is the um, – the, the rehab and injury prevention and are you supplementing anything yeah. at all? No, so, yeah, I'm, I'm all, I've always been kind of uh, anti-supplement guy. Well, and, we, I mean, anybody who does the research out there will yeah. know that most of it is crap. There's there's some stuff that has scientific information. I mean, like obviously you got your macronutrients. Mm -hmm. If you're not getting enough protein, then you, you can supplement with whey and create. There's definitely science plus behind creatine, but. Mm -hmm. All these, uh, a lot of this, I'd say ninety percent of the stuff on the market out there is just yeah. it's marketing and it's just trying to get your get your get your money out of your wallet. Absolutely, man, absolutely. So coming up uh, as a young dude, like I said, when I was like two fifteen, I was taking whatever new thing. I was mm -hmm. reading the Muscle magazine, yeah. whatever, whatever had the snazziest uh, advertisement. Yeah, I was like, yeah, let me get some of that stuff. Jack this guy is. By yeah, <laughs> and, and and I would. Uh, and so I was, I, and I was notorious for this, man. I spent so much money coming up. If I had taken all that money and invested it, man, goodness oh, yeah. gracious. So right. I spent so much money on on stuff, on supplements that I would never finish. I've never in my life, 38 years old, never in my life finished a a, a thing of protein. I've never <laughs> I, finished I'm, a I'm thing gonna, of protein. I'm not gonna lie, I'm gonna go through it too. I, I, that one in the back is probably expired. I need to look at it because I'm not really doing whey protein. Yeah. Or, for anybody who's listening, I, I, we're, we're broadcasting or we're recording this from my kitchen. So yeah. <laughs> I've got Smitty looking at my refrigerator and I've got two giant tubs of whey protein in there that are pretty much need to go in the trash because they've been sitting up there way too long. Yeah. I'm sure they're past their shelf life. So, yeah, so supplements. I, I know protein would be good. I know, you know, there's some, uh, what's it, uh, uh, BCAAs. Yeah. There, there's good stuff out there. There's scientific, there's science stuff out there. But like, like you said already, man, a lot of that is just marketing. It's hard to trust. And I try to get, I try to just eat clean mm -hmm. and, and, and work out, you know, sweat, 
yeah. you know, break a sweat every single day. Mm -hmm. um, a, a lot of times that amounts to me um, breaking that sweat, doing skill development via via my training. Um, outside of that, man, I, I really don't take anything. I don't. Okay. I, just, I just don't. No, you're, you're you're probably smarter and better off for it. Yeah, I, mean, I, I hope I've so. definitely decrease the amount of stuff that I'm doing, especially to do more research and realize that most of it doesn't really work too. So mm -hmm. I feel you 100, and, and trying to trying to eat cleaner and yeah. better all the way around too. Um, and then for the recovery side, as far as like what you're doing to, uh, for injury prevention and recovery, yeah. are, you, are you a yoga guy or do you, yeah, you, man. I, you saw my supple leopard book and yeah. you, you talked on that for a second. So yeah, yeah. So I have a supple leopard book and I, and I, uh, I started doing yoga twice a week. Mm -hmm. So I, I, um, I just feel like it's a, it's, it's like focus stretching and meditating you know yeah. it's liberate i can it's reoccurring i can go there and have somebody else i don't have to be the coach yeah and i can have somebody else be the coach uh and, and run that so i i do yoga twice a week and it, it wears me out and then um you doing hot yoga or just the traditional so i've done i've done hot yoga in the past and bikram yoga sucks, uh, doesn't it? yeah it does man i was dying and i was the only guy i was like the only like you know air quotes you know male athlete in there in my head and i, I uh -huh. go in there and it's it's like 95% women <laughs> and like some dudes who didn't look like they ever, you know, seen a bench press, but they yeah. can do the whole class. And I had to keep taking breaks because I was getting smoked, man, and, and just dying from the yeah. heat. But I, I, I like the hot yoga too, but I definitely couldn't do it. I don't think I could do it twice a week. It's like once, once every, in a while for me. But the yeah. regular, the regular yoga, man, I've definitely uh, gotten some serious benefits out of it. I'm not a flexible person to begin with. Yeah. Um, I think that's a, maybe a little bit genetic thing because my... My my old man's probably the worst mobility of any yeah. ever seen. Like even even when I was a kid, I know he would like complain about back issues, yeah, and yeah. tight hamstrings, and all that stuff. But um, yeah, definitely the, the yoga is awesome out there, man. Like any anybody who thinks that yoga is just for 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 the gals out there, for the for the housewives and stuff, you're totally wrong. It's yeah, stuff, man, try it. Will will take you to the end of days. It will crush your soul and. Yeah. It, your ego will get checked at the door oh, yeah. if you don't throw it in the box. Trust for me, sure, for sure, man. Well, hey man, we're going on uh, we're going on forty five minutes. Wow, which, that's crazy. Know, yeah, we've just sat down to have a conversation, and already we're, we're getting close to an hour. So, uh, is there any other any other things topics that you want to bring up? We kind of yeah, man, of things that uh, I I wanted to ask you about, and uh, I, I know we, we spent a lot of time talking to you and uh, uh, off off the podcast time uh, this week and training yeah. and stuff like that. And it's all it's all been really good stuff. So, hey man, one one thing I want to throw out there is is um, I've seen it from a community that I came from, and, I, and I've seen it, you know, in my own life, just being in, re in reflection, is learning another language. Mm. Mm -hmm. Such, man, I'll tell you. So I, I, I learned, I, I went to language school, you know, for the Air Force uh, um, for three and a half months for Spanish. And so it was three and a half months of Monday through Friday, eight-hour days doing Spanish. And it was exhausting. It was mentally exhausting. I would get home and just be done and not want to hear one freaking Spanish word. Um, and then I started, that was my region. I was, I was, uh, assigned to SOC South, Special Operations Command uh, South. And so I was, did most of my, a lot of my deployments to Central and South America. And so I was immersed in the language and having to use it, operationalize it. And it, learning another language has opened up so many doors for me. And, but what it did to me more so than anything was it increased my empathy so when I, as I was sitting as the SEL or senior, enlist, senior enlisted leader for, for this unit and a couple of other units where we had language capabilities within the unit, I, there was a clear distinction between people who came in 
who were already bilingual, who had learned uh, two languages as a kid, right. and then the adults that we sent to language school and, and, and taught them a language. And what happened, what we noticed was that the people, it, it forces your empathy, it, it pushes your empathy through the roof because you take a topic, you know, for me, let's say fighting or shooting, something I'm, you know, I like to think that I'm well versed at and I can teach all day. And then you force me to teach it in Spanish. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I'm talking like a seven year old about a topic that I am a, uh, you know, subject matter expert in, for example. Sure. And it, it just, it, it forces you to be empathetic to, to others and that, that struggle and it, it helps mm -hmm. and makes you a more well-rounded, uh, Advisor, it makes you a, a, a more well-rounded uh, human being. There's science on how it changes your brain. It forces you, yeah. you know, it makes your brain. You start to be more open and adaptable and flexible to things. So I, I actually listened to a really good podcast on uh, neuroplasticity. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, I think it was on uh, things to blow your mind. I, I'd have to look it up. Um, I'll put it put it in show notes or something later. But um, that neuroplasticity is so much higher in children. Mm -hmm. And when we, uh, for anybody who doesn't know the term neuroplasticity, we're talking about uh, that cortex of your brain uh, that's almost like uh, left right sided and kind of like the fluidity between that so you, you almost like haven't decided which side of the, of the brain is more dominant in a way um, and that's a lot more fluid or, or plastic plas plasticity has more plasticity mm -hmm. in children and that's why we see stuff like obviously kids learning behaviors is so much faster but language especially yeah where if I mean Kids not just learning two languages, but for some kids learning three or four languages, yeah, especially yeah. for people like living in Europe and uh, other parts of the world where the, geographically there's a lot more languages in that area. So, um, yeah, if there's any kind of way to kind of hack into that neuroplasticity for yeah. us as adults for to sure. kind of get back in that um, that kind of kid brain mode, I think it'd be really big to try to like pick up learning stuff like yeah, languages. Yeah, it's going to be helpful. Or, it's going to be helpful to you, especially as the world, like you already discussed, you know, the world is getting technology is making the world smaller. Mm -hmm. Meaning, like you may, you would have grown up in your, your one town and only knew the people around. Over now, you can I can talk to somebody in Germany right this second right. if I wanted to. Um, you know, you could FaceTime somebody in another country right now. So it, it's gonna it's gonna improve tons of areas, and it's been so helpful for me. And I love being the guy in the room and then shocking shocking Spanish speakers when I start speaking Spanish, and then they ask me in Spanish, "Where are you from?" And I say, "From Tulsa, Oklahoma," and like. You know, and they try oh, yeah, to figure cool. out. Yeah, and they try to figure out. You know, where, where that's coming from, man. So, it's uh, I, I, I highly recommend it. Recommend it to people, and for sure, it will stretch you. You're gonna have plenty of days of failure, and you're gonna be frustrated and everything else, but it's gonna be all for for benefit, um, for sure. Absolutely, yeah, it's awesome. All right, well, Smitty, it's been awesome. Thank you so yeah, much brother. again, man, for doing this. Uh, I Anytime. know it's, it's kind of outside the, the realm for some of us to get, to get on and, and, and talk, but uh, you're awesome conversationalist, you're a super well-rounded uh, guy, and I'm, I'm really glad we were able to, to have this talk, and for anybody who uh, who's listening to the podcast, please uh, reach out to me, reach out to the Warrior Monk, Monk podcast um, on Instagram, uh, and uh, reach out to uh, the uh, podcast uh, website, and uh, let us know what you think of the show give us some feedback if you want to if you want to be on whether you're in the, the panhandle florida area and want to want to come in and we'll have a talk or i come to you or if you want to um, do it remotely um, get in touch with us and uh, we're looking looking to see where we can take this in the future so thanks for tuning in thanks for having me brother
All right, thanks again to Smitty for joining me on this one. I really appreciate his time, and I hope you guys enjoyed uh, listening to some of the stuff he had to say. Uh, please go ahead and look up uh, the Brazilian top team, uh, the, the team that he trained with. Uh, they're at uh, bttsa.com, and you can look up the Calavera Martial Arts Gym, uh, where he's currently training at on Facebook. Again, that's Calavera Martial Arts, C-A-L-A-V-E-R-A. All right, so if you like what you guys are hearing on the Warrior Monk podcast, um, give me a little bit of support. Uh, I'd like to do this more often. I'd like to try to get in touch with more people. Uh, I want to connect with you. I want to connect with other people that are within the community of podcasting, uh, military and veterans, entrepreneurs, pretty much anybody who really wants to have a good, a good conversation. I want, I want to talk to them. I want to talk to you and, uh, and uh, get, your, get your words out on the air. So reach out to us at the Warrior Monk Podcast on Instagram and uh, give us a little support on uh, Patreon uh, at our webpage there and check out our website at Warrior Monk LLC. Stay tuned for uh, new episodes coming up shortly and special thanks to Five Finger Death Punch for their music using the intro and outro to this podcast. If you haven't seen the Wrong Side of Heaven music video, check it out. Uh, it's trying to bring awareness to veteran suicide, which uh, I think is an awesome message that Five Finger Death Punch is trying to put out there so more people are aware uh, what our veterans have been through and what they're trying to uh, deal with when they come back home. So go check out their, their video on YouTube as well. All right, this is Lance signing out.